It's Tuesday morning, Nickelback time on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. In case you need a brief refresher, if you missed last Tuesday's show, Tuesday morning, Nickelback will provide you four things every Tuesday during the football season. Number one, a film review of the Vikings with Andrew Kramer, who covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Number two, my least favorite team is my favorite team with Keith Rashad, good friend of mine. We recap the Vikings game in a way only we can Hasn't been great so far, you guys, so there's going to be a little bit of saltiness in uh, in the uh, upcoming one that uh, that I'll play for you here in a little bit. Third thing you'll get is uh, me and Randy Johnson talking Gopher football. Randy, of course, covers the Gophers for the Star Tribune. Big win for the Gophers, beat Colorado 30 to nothing. They've got a big, uh, you know, big point spread against Bowling Green coming up on Saturday, so one more tune-up before they resume Big Ten play. And the fourth thing you'll always get on Tuesday morning, Nickelback, is a Nickelback song lyric. That will be your cue to send me a tweet. Tweet me at Randball or send me a DM and uh, tell me when you heard it, what it was, and you'll be entered to win a prize. Yes, it's uh, it's exciting, is it not? So let's bring in Andrew Kramer right now to get this thing started, shall we? Tuesdays on Daily Delivery, we like to do a film review with Andrew Kramer, covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Um, we will not review the film of 37-yard field goals. Nothing we can do about that at this <laughs> point, Andrew. But uh, the the film on kind of the chess match on how to try to slow down Kyler Murray is pretty interesting as, as you watch it back. And it's pretty instructive, too, because they will see – a similar type of quarterback, I guess, next week in, in Russell Wilson, someone who's done it for longer, but who has some of those same improvisational skills, a smaller quarterback who can kind of beat you with his arm or running. So what did, what did we see in particular from this game as you rewatched it and how they tried to stop him and you know where they were successful and or not as successful? Yeah, obviously stopping Kyler Murray is all relative. He, he throws for 400 yards, three touchdowns, and something like that, runs for another one. Um, you, you can only do so much against this guy. His, his foot speed is incredible. He's just one of those most elusive, smaller-statured quarterbacks that's hard to even just keep an eye on for defenses. And I thought it was really interesting what Mike Zimmer tried to do because he, he verified the game plan um, – excuse me, varied the game plan quite a bit, just – really tried to get at him with a bunch of different stuff. You had Nick Vigil spying him. Um, you had Eric Hendricks doing the same. DJ Wanham was, was often assigned to just stand there and watch Kyler Murray and just kind of stand at the line and make sure you mirror his movements. Whichever way he moves, you saw Wanham shuffling the same way. Um, Daniel Hunter would try to bait defense or bait the offensive line um, and do a fake twist and hide behind his teammate and then kind of wait for Murray to make a move. And it's just there's so many little things that go on um, while Murray's doing this. And then Murray would have a counter move for like every single one of them. I think of the 15 yard touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. It was the opening score for Arizona. You've got, it's a third and 10. The Vikings have them like right where you want them. And um, Kyler Murray evades to his right. is kind of moving a little bit and Daniel Hunter. And, and I think it was Sheldon Richardson at the time. They do a great job of pinning Murray back in Richardson's kind of moving on either side of his offensive lineman. And Murray just does like a pirouette, spins 360, scrambles left, and DeAndre Hopkins just on a dime completely turns his route and totally mirrors Murray the same way. And Patrick Peterson's left in the dust, and it's a 15-yard touchdown. Like, what do you do? Afterward, Patrick Peterson said, I've just got to keep my eye on my receiver and try to stay tight on him. But you 
there was a great camera view on the on the broadcast footage and you could see that Peterson was with him the entire time. It's just Mur- Hopkins anticipates Murray scrambling. And those guys are on such the same page. And that's why it's going to be so difficult next week because Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, it's almost the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like, it's pick your poison kind of, because even when you kind of keep them contained a little bit, then they can hit you with, you know, short stuff, misdirection, get their, you know, their playmakers out in space. Um, and you can only just let them, you know, you can only sit there and let them run around so much. Like you got to try to go after him. And then sometimes when you go after him, you miss, and then he takes off running or he finds Rondale Moore for 77 yards. You know, Daniel Hunter did get him three times, including once where I could not believe he got him. There was a, you know, I think he was, Kyler Murray was kind of coming around to the right. And I thought that Hunter had lost contain and all of a sudden he just like grabs his Jersey and drags him down. It was a pretty important play of the game. Like that could have, I believe that might have led to the final punt that led to the final sequence that that could have got them the victory. But it, it is kind of like, do you, did how much cover? How much did they vary what they did in trying to, to to stop them, or did they have a pretty similar you know approach throughout the Vikings? No, it was varied. It was it was absolutely varied. It was a lot of different things, and it they would only do some of these things once or twice. Like when I mentioned Hunter kind of faking a twist and baiting Kyler Murray into going one way or the other, that happened just a couple of times in the second half. Um, you also saw early on, it was more linebackers. It was blitzing. And then the second half, you saw Mike Zimmer back his guys up a little more. You saw Eric Kendricks, you saw Nick Vigil. It seemed one of the halftime adjustments was to get those guys and have them just watch Murray, even while they were dropping into coverage. If you remember that 12 yard touchdown, that QB draw by Kyler Murray, right before halftime, or it was in the second quarter, I think, you had um, Nick Vigil and Kendricks turning and running with their guys, their backs to the quarterback. You can't stop Murray from running if you're not looking at him. And so one of the biggest adjustments was my, uh, Zimmer just told those guys, in, in our certain coverages that we do, you're just going to do typical zone drops. And it seems like that's what they did because their eyes were always forward. They were always keeping things in front of them, and they weren't as involved up front. And then that's why in the second half, it shifted more to Daniel Hunter, who started getting more involved. It shifted to DJ Wanham and some of those guys up front. Um, and that's got to be part of it. You got to make sure Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and the, and the play callers in the NFL don't know what you're exactly doing. So then they can just scheme around it. And I thought that was a good defensive adjustment in terms of keeping those linebackers eyes forward and watching the quarterback because that kept Murray in the pocket, forced him to throw and Unfortunately for the Vikings, him throwing is sometimes just as dangerous as him running. But it did lead to the maybe the pick six that they got early in the second half. And, you know, Arizona did only score 10 points after halftime. Um, The spiral has a lot of times been Anthony Barr. How much do you think they missed him in that game? And do we we, I don't think we have an update yet this week, but, you know, we'll see if, if they can get him back for some of these other mobile quarterbacks on the schedule down the road here. Yeah, Anthony's got to practice. He's got to get out there on that knee. And so I'm not sure when we're going to see him again, but it's an understanding with the organization from from what I know that they're just going to have to manage this with Anthony Barr and his knee injury. This isn't a short-term thing where they expect it to go away. It sounds like it's more long-term issues with what's going on with him. So that's it's not a good sign. But eventually, if they can get him up to health and get him out there a little bit, it'll help against if they can do it, for instance, this week because it would help a lot with Russell Wilson. They've used Anthony Barr to spy mobile quarterbacks so often, and he's really good at it. He's, he's, we know he's really good when he's got the play in front of him and he's rolling downhill and he can just light somebody up or chase after somebody and use that length, much like Daniil Hunter did. 
Um, he's just such a big guy and that helps it, Nick Vigil's a smaller guy, better in coverage, but he's not going to be able to corral Kyler Murray as well, or Russell Wilson. So they need bar back to, to do these types of things. Unfortunately for them, they're getting these mobile quarterbacks at a time where they're probably not going to have Anthony. We've seen Anthony practice once in the past, I believe five or six weeks. And so it's just not a good sign. Last thing, Andrew Kramer film review um, of the things they did Sunday. I mean, this is a league of adjustments, counter adjustments. Like, did you feel like there were things they were more successful than others that they might want to deploy more? And, or do you think Seattle sees some of the things that worked for the Vikings and then they're like, okay, well, this is what we have to do if they're going to play this way against us. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if you're Mike Zimmer, you might be thinking how often can I get away with not playing two deep safeties? That's the two deep safety in the NFL and which leads into those two deep, four deep coverages. That's the ultimate security blanket. If you don't have corners, you can trust. We saw it so often last year. And this time around, the Vikings tried, Mike Zimmer tried to keep a lot of Harrison Smith or Xavier Woods in the box to try to, or at least near the line of scrimmage, because the Cardinals spread it out so much. So when you have five wide receivers or tight ends or whatever spread out, you want to have your safeties up front to challenge them at the line, not give them quick, easy throws. But if you do that, you leave Bashad Breeland one-on-one with A.J. Green, which is what happened in that game in the second half where A.J. Green just does a, a double move at the line, shakes Breeland, and is able to get a 20-yard catch right down the sideline. And it was super quick. The defensive line had no chance of getting to him. Um, Breeland has is, is been a liability, and I think more so than maybe Mike Zimmer would like to admit because he is a veteran guy who's been around. He started 90 games before he came here. He should be able to play better than he's playing right now. But I, we're seeing some of the play from him that – makes us realize, yeah, this guy's on his fourth or fifth NFL team. And there's probably a reason for that. So one of the adjustments might be, you just might have to back off these coverages a little bit. If you're going to keep getting beat deep, because there were five plays in that game where the Cardinals threw the ball and gained more than 20 yards. I mean, that's just not how Mike Zimmer defense is typically played. No. And that's not how you want to play. I mean, if it's just in general, but you know, if there's, there's feast or famine to the defense, but you know, a sack can be negated pretty quickly by a long touchdown in the next place. So it's not like the feast is equal on either side, except for the, you know, in the case of the pick six. So it'll be interesting to see how they try to slow Russell Wilson down. They've never beaten him. So uh, good luck with that. It is a, it is at us bank stadium at the very least their home opener. So maybe they'll have a little bit more success with that. Finally playing the Seahawks at home. Andrew Kramer, good stuff. Read his stuff. Star Tribune, Star Tribune.com. We'll do this again next week. All right. Hey, thanks, Mike. Sounds good. Great insights from Andrew. As always, you can read his full film review on StarTribune.com. It comes out every Tuesday. Kind of a recap of a lot of different key plays, key moments, and kind of you know how kind of inside the game. He he watches it. He goes back, looks at the you know the coaches' film, things like that. So check that out on Tuesday. It is time once again on daily delivery for. My least favorite team is my favorite team with Keith Rashad wrote a book of that same name a while back about the Vikings. Uh, Keith, we could probably just cut it off at my least favorite team at this point. Could we not? Absolutely. This team is awful and I hate them so much. (laughs) So um, the point of this segment each week is to, you know, hopefully at some point when the Vikings win, point out some of the positives um, but again, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Keith and I are really good friends. We go way back to more than three decades of friendship and watching football. And we've seen a lot of kicking problems, uh, in those, 
in those three decades, I believe. Um, it's not an overstatement to say that, but uh, my goodness, you know, you, you let yourself think, okay, this is, you know, this is a pretty routine field goal. I think 94%, 93% of field goals in that range this year have been successful, 37 yards. But, you know, at the end of the day, like we, they, they're employing a lot of guys who you just don't know. And that is kind of the theme of what reared its head in, in this game, is it not? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I took out of this stupid game, uh, which is that this is that game was a microcosm of everything that has been wrong with this team for a while. I mean, absolutely everything that's been wrong with this team for a while. So you get a, a strong offensive performance from the team that somehow still isn't enough when it matters the most, right? You've got a quarterback, an overpaid quarterback who played the perfect game manager game, right? Yeah, he was really good. Kirk Cousins was really good in that game. Well, he was the perfect game manager, not, not the, not the go out there and winning the game, but the perfect game manager game. But he you had, have a but defense. He had, the, he had the drive though. Okay, go on. He had a, you have a, a defense. You have a Mike Zimmer defense that is proving to be awful. That if the one thing that the coach is actually interested in, the one thing that the head coach of this stupid team actually seems to pay attention to and cares about and has anything more than uh, to do with than just be grumpy and complain about is really, really, really bad. Okay. And then you've got uh, the special teams, which is just, just utterly true. The game should have been tied. The game should have been tied at the end because of the extra point. Right. And that field, the missed field goal should have just meant overtime. That's all it should have meant. Right. But instead it, it means a, a, a loss. And then you also got just the, just the dumb coaching decisions too. Right. Which the end of the second half, then why are you squibbing that kick? You've got end, a kicker. End of the first half. The end of the first half. half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, exactly. End of, but you've got a kicker who can put it out of the back of the end zone. And then you also want to get cute with a squib kick which gives them even better field position by what, 10, 12 yards, whatever it was. It was nine, but, but yeah, fair point. So it, all of a sudden they're a little further in, in than where they would otherwise be simply because you wanted to play your dumb little game and you didn't want to, you know, you wanted to waste an extra three seconds or whatever it was going to end up being. And so the whole thing was the microcosm of what is wrong with this team and why they need to clean house. And I can't believe the one thing that was actually halfway as good was the offensive line. Yeah, this was like, so here's the thing. And I wrote about this Monday, I wrote a blog post. Like, you know, when you have a team that is like the Vikings where they've got clear talent, but they have clear deficiencies, you don't know from week to week, what's going to be good and what's going to be bad. So like a week ago, we talked about, wow, the special teams was actually pretty good. You know, the, this, you know, this unknown kicker, Greg Joseph makes this 52 yard field goal in Cincinnati to get them to overtime. Um, you know, the, the punter does just fine. You no, know, but the offensive line is atrocious. Cousins played pretty well, probably last, you know, he's, he's been pretty good both these games, but um, you know, the defense has lapses, but you just, when you have a team and some teams are, I, I bet. 20 to 24 teams in the NFL are like this to a degree where you've got deficiencies. You just don't know who's going to show up. You don't know what's going to happen in those kind of three to five most meaningful plays. But 
for the Vikings, it feels like it's to the extreme where like every week, like something could just seriously doom them, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the kicker, what we're waiting for a bad Kirk Cousins game now, what, whether it's, uh, you know, some other turnovers, whether the defense just, you know, instead of having an okay game or, you know, trying to hold serve against Kyler Murray, you know, gives up 45 points against one of these really explosive offenses. Like that is a hard way to live. It's how they went into the season and it's, it's caught up to him. And I saw a stat, I think Will Raggett's uh, tweeted this on Monday that basically like they had the, the highest like win, win expectancy percentage drop in both of those two weeks from they being like 88% likely to win before the Dalvin cook fumble down to like 27% and being like 90% expected to win as they're lining up for that field goal down to zero when they miss it. Like both weeks they've been right there and yet they're Owen two. And that is kind of the story of the season so far and the story of this team and how it's constructed. Well, I, I think that's absolutely fair that <laughs> just, they they roll the dice on a bunch of uh, things that simply aren't working out. They 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 hoped and prayed they would get some things to work, and you're right that they're they're not. And as we talked about before the season started, if they had seven things go right for them, they could have success. Uh, and this is a talented team. This is a team that's not completely devoid of talent, but none of those things are happening with enough frequency. They're, you're getting maybe two a week at best, right. exactly as you say, you're not getting enough to, to get this done. And it's getting to the point where you know, I'm, I'm sick of a head coach who seems to have animosity for two thirds of the game. Right. I, I mean, I haven't been able to check. Has the kicker been cut already? I don't think so. And they were understated. Absolutely sure. They supported him after the game. I mean, here's the thing, like the kicker has made three, 50 plus yard field goals so far this season. So, I mean, they have to like, they have to say the right things like until, you know, until, until he wasn't good, he was good. And that's kind of the thing, right? It's, it's like, it's not a problem until it's a problem when you're trying to get by with, you know, unproven or unknown or, you know, cause it's just, they, they have these flashes. Like Daniel Hunter was an absolute monster in that game. Yeah. Like a- Andrew Kramer and I, talk about that in our film review. Like, you know, they had some breakdowns where Kyler Murray right. did some Stepping stuff to them and the Russell Pike and the Vikings guys again. I yeah, I know now we're slum slumming. Uh, um, you know, Russell Wilson's going to do some of the same stuff in, in next week's game. I'm sure. Cause he's, he's kind of a similar quarterback, but you know, there's a play where I could not believe Daniel Hunter got a hold of Kyler Murray. I thought Kyler Murray was definitely going around the edge and was going to run for 15 yards or throw one of those passes. And next thing you know, Hunter's got him on the ground. Like they've got these, they've got some of the best players in the league. And then they have these glaring holes. And even when the offensive line gives cousins a chance to throw, and even when Dalvin cook has holes to run through, there are other things that can trip them up in the game. And there's, I feel like there's going to be too many of those trip wires this season. Well, and let me also just be clear that I don't think that the kicker should be cut. No, I just wouldn't be surprised with Mike Zimmer that, if he had been cut, it's week right? two, it's week two of a season. So it has happened before in week two of a season, Daniel Carlson, it's, who has gone on to be okay for the Raiders. Right. And, and so it, it, it is hard to see them riding the ship, right? That again, this is a team with talent, 
but it feels more and more like one of those seasons where everything is just going to go off the rails, that something's going to happen each and every week. And there was improvement. There was improvement from the the first game that they didn't commit 45,000 penalties or whatever it was. Right. And so they gave themselves a, a chance to win. But again, every hallmark of what this team has been for at least the last year was on display in that stupid game. And it like and it was a it was a wildly entertaining game. I thought they played pretty well for the most part. Arizona's a good team. Kyler Murray's a, a dangerous quarterback. They've got a lot of things going for them. Um, that would have been as if you're a Vikings fan, that would have been if the kick was made, that would have been one of the more satisfying wins I can remember in the last three or four years, right? It was a back and forth game. It would have been this nice drive at the end. Kirk Cousins gets him down the field. A couple of nice plays by KJ Osborne. It, like it would have been a very satisfying win because you'd been like, well played. They they did it. They got it. They even their record at one and one. You kind of erase the Cincinnati game. You say, okay, that's who this team is. And you still kind of feel that way, except in the NFL, when you're 0-2, even in a 17-game season, even when seven teams make the playoffs now, that's a big hole to climb out of. How, how, how is it that you have a big, important job at a major metropolitan sports section with a clearly wrong uh, opinion of that nature? That's what did what I, I say that was so wrong? I thought they played well. It would have been, sa- it would have been a great win. It would have been a satisfying, well, a satisfying been, win. I don't know that it would have been satisfying. Well, I don't know. I actually, I don't know that it would have been satisfying because the defense is still bad. That defense still gave up the 34 points, right? That uh, after one week, a very good offense demonstrated that it could still be very good, right? The best unit on the team showed up in the way they didn't do in the first week. So there right. was demonstrated demonstrated uh, improvement there. I have not seen any improvement on the defensive side of the ball. And well, the, de- the defensive line is way better than it was last year. That That is the only thing. I'll, I'll concede that. Daniil Hunter was amazing. It was fun to watch him. He, and, and if that defense is going to have any success, it's because they get 14 sacks a game, but it's going to take 14 sacks a game. The rest of it is nowhere where it needs to be. And so, you know, maybe there's hope for improvement because this, there's so many new people and so reconstructed, maybe they'll get better, but it hasn't happened yet. And so I'm not sure that that improvement is going to happen unless they get massive pressure each and every game the rest of the team is not holding together. So I just don't know that there's a lot of room for hope. And it would have been a nice win, but it would have felt like, in my perspective, that they had stolen something in the way that they had given away something against Cincinnati. I didn't quite feel that way. I thought they were. I thought it was a, a pretty evenly played game. And if you looked at kind of the balance of the game... You're wrong, would, sir! They would have deserved to win, but, but they didn't. They lost. They missed the kick. And so I want to leave you with this thought. This was something that uh, Chicken Finger sixty nine and I were bandying about Apparently even before the game. When it, turn this into a shouting match. When it, when How are we ever going to be the new Skip Bayless and, and <laughs> um, whoever he's yelling at now? Shannon, Skip and Shannon, Shannon. Okay. Um, so it's a uh, you know, here's the thing. He, he and I were banding this about. Like he was like, solve this equation for X. How many X number of games the Vikings can go winless this year before jobs are lost? Like Zimmer. Spielman stuff like that. And I said, well, I'm tempted to say four just because, you know, that would be, you know, 
two, two losses to start the year on the road. And then you're coming home and you've got three home games in a row now against Seattle, Cleveland. And then I believe Detroit might be after that. Um, so if, if you lose the two at home, you know, I thought maybe Owen four would do it, but then I was like, well, oh, but there's a buy right after week six. So is it, do you have to get to six games? I, what do you, what do you think? What's, what's the patience level? If this, if, you know, if they keep playing, okay, does that matter if they still lose or how do you solve that equation for X? Well, I think there are two answers. There's my patience level, which is I'm kind of done with it. I'm kind of done with Zimmer and his disdain for two thirds of, of his team. I'm kind of done with uh, Rick Spielman and his incapacity to uh, stock the cupboard, even though he has 55 draft picks in every single draft, right? I'm, I, I just don't see a future for this brain trust right now. But in terms of when, when people get fired, if you lose to Detroit in your fifth game and you're 0-5 and you have the bye week, that's when it has to be, right? This team, didn't it start, what was it, 1-5 last year? The 1-5 last year, yeah. Right, so you made it that far last year. Right. But if you get to the point where you end up 0-4 and then you lose to Detroit at home, which is a team that everybody knows doesn't want to succeed this year, that's right. that's the point where I could see jobs starting to be lost. Getting taken out at the kneecaps. Well, that could be it. That could be it. It's, you know, the Wilfs have been very patient, but it's, you know, and again, it's, it's you know, there is time this year. It's, it's 0-2, but, you know, just the eye test says, there's just a lot of things that could go wrong with this team that have already gone wrong. And they are for the time being, and perhaps for the rest of the year, probably your least favorite team. Oh, undoubtedly. Now it's kind of a postscript to that conversation with Keith. I want to, you know, the Vikings are Owen two right now. And we, Keith and I talked a little bit about uh, an extended conversation on Twitter. I had with chicken finger 69 and some other folks just about, you know, how far can this go and and people still have their jobs? I think we're not there yet. And, you know, honestly, the Vikings could be two and zero right now. If, if they had made basically two plays, if, if, you know, Dalvin cook doesn't fumble in week one and they go on and score in overtime uh, when they're, you know, marching down the field against Cincinnati, or, you know, if Greg Joseph makes a 37 yard field goal on, uh, on Sunday, the Vikings could be two and zero. So we, we don't want to get too carried away about what this team is, but, you know, at a certain point, you are what your record is, and I, I wrote about this Monday. Basically, you know, when this is this is what bad teams do or mediocre teams do, they lose games like this. They don't know what they can depend on. So, how far can they go before Mike Zimmer might get fired? Before Rick Spielman might get fired? Is a good question, not one that a lot of you expected to be answering this early in the season. Some of you who are more optimistic about the season might be wondering, you know, why weren't we able to see the signs that we missed? Well. You know, sometimes you just don't want to see them when the season starts, right? You want to be optimistic. You want to be hopeful about what's ahead. And, you know, there's still time for that. But uh, getting late early, as they say, kind of like it was for the Twins this season. We'll see if the Vikings can have a better turnaround than the Twins did. Back on Daily Delivery, Randy Johnson covers Gopher football for the Star Tribune. Was in Colorado, Boulder, to be specific. Um, Randy, I got to say, I... Did not imagine um, you would be covering a 30 to nothing shutout victory uh, for the Gophers. I know we'd talked about Colorado's kind of struggles at quarterback coming into that game, but 
for Colorado to get 60 some yards of total offense in the whole game. And for the Gophers to really control both lines of scrimmage in such a fashion against, you know, and again, maybe Colorado's not the greatest team, but against a, you know, a major conference foe that was uh, not just surprising, but uh, pretty impressive. Was it not? Oh, it was very surprising and impressive. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was expecting a tight game. I, I had picked 24, 21 Gophers and wasn't entirely, uh, um, you know, confident that would hold up. I, it, you know, you saw Colorado play then fifth-ranked Texas A&M to the wire the week before before losing 10-7, and and you know, I thought, okay, we'll 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 see. Probably maybe a, a, a Buffs defense that's pretty salty, and uh, and you know, maybe they can get they get something going on offense with the running quarterback. But um, uh, the Gophers from the get-go just just were all over them. They they got a pass rush on them. Uh, four sacks and eight uh, tackles for loss in the game. It was uh, quite impressive. Um, uh, the 63 total yards allowed were the fewest uh, for an FCS team um, since Kansas in 2017. So it was. Uh, I don't see that. I don't know the opponent on that one. I'll look, look that up. But it was very, uh, very stingy, and a lot of that came came on uh, yards of sacks. And we've been waiting for that defensive line. I mean, it had only been two games, but we had, you know, number of times written or talked about on this podcast. The fact we didn't have any sacks for the first two games and, you know, had really you know, not gotten quite enough pressure even before that. That certainly changed um, against Colorado. Is that a function of the opponent? Or I remember on this show last week, you said PJ Fleck had said some of those guys were, he was seeing some promising things about the rush that maybe could come to fruition as time went on. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a combination. Uh, they, they, they did play a lot better. Uh, Thomas Rush, especially, uh, he, he got in there a uh, couple stunts up the middle, uh, put a lot of pressure. It, it just seemed like they had the, court, the quarterback, uh, Brendan Lewis, confused uh, all afternoon. I mean, it started bad for the Buffs right away. First uh, snap from scrimmage just goes for a 10-yard loss on – he couldn't handle the, the shotgun snap, and they just couldn't recover from that uh, – uh, they, they were only able to um, string together uh, two first downs once in the game. And that came late in the fourth quarter. That's unbelievable. I mean, do you is this a function of Colorado being maybe not as good as we thought they were? The Gophers just playing really well. How do we kind of what what are the takeaways from a game like that? It's tough because you 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 take diff, different uh, games and try to compare them and see where they're at. I think you just say, Hey, they, they put all together the Gophers for in a lot of ways, maybe not so much on special teams, but in a lot of ways. And uh, they just second half, especially just, you know, their lines just toyed with Colorado's lines. Uh, there were just, you know, pancake block after pancake block for the Gophers. That's a, yeah. So, you know, as we think about the season two and one now, um, I'll have to talk to um, Andrew Kramer and Ben Gessling about this, but I'm up 2-0 in my taco bet standings as well after the uh, Vikings heartbreak over the weekend, two games that the Vikings could have won to start the year but did not. Um, you know, Bowling Green this weekend could be kind of another name-your-score kind of game. I think what you said, 31-point favorites in that game, so hopefully they can kind of work on some things, fine-tune for the Big Ten season, but they got to be feeling – a lot, not that, you, not that internally they felt badly about themselves, but they got to be feeling pretty good about how they are rounding into shape, you know, after some inconsistency early, but then just, you know, such a huge performance against Colorado. Yeah, I think uh, 
they should like the way the defense played. And now it's pressed. I think you're seeing that end of the ball uh, look a lot better than it. Obviously, a lot of chunk plays against Ohio State. Buckeyes will do that to people with all those athletes. Um, you know, the the effort uh, next week against Miami was, you know, it was good, but there were a few lapses where Miami got got some big gainers. But this week, uh, it was they just uh, they just took it away from Colorado. They they you know the pass rush helped a lot, and then tight coverage too. Anything in particular PJ Fleck had to say Monday that, that caught your eye kind of in the, in the post-mortem of, of that game? No, you know, he, he was, he was pointing to the, you know, they, they always coaches are always looking for ways to get better. Um, you, you, there were a few things that uh, I was actually kind of surprised when I looked at stats after the game, um, the Gophers were only three of 11 on third downs. Um, that kind of, um, you know, you want a better performance than that. Um, they uh, it, and it was a thirteen nothing game in, into the third quarter when they f- f- really got rolling. Um, they left some points on the board, a uh, uh, couple missed field goals and a missed extra point. Um, they had a chance at the end of the first half where um, the clock management wasn't that good. Uh, PJ was heard, heard something from the ref saying the clock would stop. He, today he kind of fell on the sword. Say, hey, I got to double check that. Um, go present losing out on the chance to uh, uh, kick a long field goal at the end of the half. Uh, could have put them up sixteen nothing. Um, I guess what if the if a mistake like that's made, you'd rather have it made in a thirty to nothing game. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think coaches love to have teachable moments in the midst of blowout wins too, because then they can watch the film on Monday and point to things like, "Hey, we were good, but boy, we could be better." Coaches love that still. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, any, I mean, the opponent doesn't matter a whole lot this week. Anything we should know about bowling or anything that from the rest of the big 10 that has caught your eye before we, uh, before we let you go, uh, bowling green, you know, I, I don't know what to expect a whole lot of them. Just did a little bit of reading on them. Their quarterback's pretty accurate. He's, he's, he's up around thir- uh, 71%. So, you know, he, he might be their, their chance to do something a little bit. Uh, you know, they've just came off their first win of the year over Murray state. Um, so there's, they're kind of a nondescript, uh, uh, Mac team there. They were picked to finish at last in their division. So it, it's, yeah, like you said, it might be a name your score game. All right. Well, sounds good. You're gearing up for big 10 play in a couple of weeks. Randy Johnson, good stuff. We'll do this again next week. All right. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. That will do it for today. Thanks for listening. Good stuff coming up, coming up later this week. Sarah McClellan covers the Minnesota Wild for the Star Tribune. She will be on with me. We're going to have to talk about Kirill Kaprizov because that situation looks dicier than anyone would have wanted it to be. Uh, I'll talk a little St. Thomas football later in the week and also get a little Minnesota Lynx talk as those playoffs in the WNBA start later this week. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm Michael Rand. Please write a review for this podcast if you would, wherever you get your finer podcasts. Download it every single day. Catch up on the episodes you missed if you have the time, and I'll see you again on Wednesday.